Alright, hello to my fellow humans with True Crime Obsessions. Welcome back to Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. I am Michelle, the Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. My co-host, somewhere in my house, he's never actually where I am, which is sad. But today we are going to take a look at a very weird case involving Ezra McCandless. Let's get started. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I uh, hope you all are doing well. We broke our 600 downloads. Uh, hopefully with this episode we break 700 downloads. More people from all over the world, which is great. I do apologize for my voice. I'm kind of happy that this episode is a little bit shorter. Mostly uh, the weather is <laughs> changing here in where I live and uh, I get allergies and you know, cool, fun, fall things that happen to me. But yeah, so crazy. I'm actually kind of like all of my setup and everything has been randomly on the other side of my basement. Uh, we had some electricity or electricity, electric, <laughs> electric work done here at the house this week. So everything kind of got moved and uh, just craziness. So, uh, but I get a new oven this week, which is super great. Uh, who doesn't love a good new oven? So, um, but yeah, things have been a little bit crazy, but good. And my brother turned 30 this week. So we went down there and saw him and went to Dave and Buster's and I love Dave and Buster's. And if you don't know what Dave and Buster's is, uh, I forget that I don't have people from America. Um, so essentially it's a place where you can just go play games, um, kind of like an indoor carnival or indoor fair. Lots of various different games. You get tickets, then you can do tickets and you can buy like prizes and that. So it's fun. And I ended up playing with, oh, there's somebody walking in my house. The joys of living in an old house. Uh, creaking and everything all over the place. So I apologize <laughs> for that. Um, but yeah, so essentially we just got to play games and I ended up playing a game with my sister-in-law's sister, sister's son. And we ended up, it was like a Jurassic Park game. And we ended up beating like the entire game when it was super fun. And he had a really good time. I had a really good time. Who doesn't love playing games? Uh, that's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I've also been reading a lot, which has been great. I've been thinking about like starting a new podcast on top of this one, which is probably just like a lot for me to handle, but I don't know, maybe. Um, but it essentially would just be, I, I can read a book every three to four days. So essentially I would just do a book review every single week. <laughs> uh, I've been reading Crave, which is a Twilight-esque vampire Harry Potter mix uh, series. I read Ace of Spades, which is really, really good uh, at a suggestion of a friend. I'm currently reading Big Little Lies, which is a TV show. I can't remember if it's on like Hulu or Netflix or something, but I, it's not, it's a, the book came first book than TV series. So instead of watching the TV series, I'm just going to read the book first and it's really good. Lots of stuff coming out. So it's fun. Um, and I should have that done probably today, maybe doing some yard work. So I won't be able to read at the gym, but 
regardless, here we are. Um, like I said, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode one because my voice is a little bit shot. Um, and two, not a lot of information. It's pretty cut and dry. It doesn't, it doesn't start cut and dry, but it becomes cut and dry as you kind of go through. And it's one of those, another, it's just a senseless murder, poorly planned. And I can't believe that this lady let she get away with it. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, let's, I guess let's just jump in. Like I said, it's going to be a shorter episode, which I, I kind of like shorter episodes. If I'm being honest with you, it's, I am just, right. I'm just a single, not a single married, but I just do all this by myself and as a side thing. So I don't have a ton of time to do like crazy amounts of research. So shorter episodes are good for listening when you're going to work or anything like that. So why as well do a little bit shorter episodes and yeah. So this one is interesting. Uh, it's Ezra McCandless. So in, this is recent, very recent actually. So this is probably one of our more recent episodes for as far as like when this thing happened. So imagine this March, 2018. So four and a half years ago, this guy, dairy farmer, nice little man, remote area in Wisconsin, uh, Eau Claire, but we'll just go. It's in Wisconsin. Uh, he answers his door randomly and he finds this woman barefooted, muddy named Ezra begging for a doctor. You, he looked at her body and, and she looked like, like roughed up pretty bad. It looked like boy, the word boy, B-O-W, B-O-W, I'm the worst. B-O-Y had been cut into her, her arm. Her clothing was all ripped up. Once again, she was really muddy. She just really just kind of looked like she kind of been through hell. He, of course, was like, holy crap. He consoled her was like, oh my gosh, everything's going to be okay. And then he ended up calling the police and they waited for the police. A little backstory on Ezra. She, her name was actually uh, Monica Kay when she was born. And everybody described her as a free spirit, amateur artist, right? Kind of like hippie, hipster kind of thing. Uh, she had dropped out of college to focus on her love for art. Uh, her car was covered in her artwork. Um to say the least, she was one of those people, and I feel like we all know these people, she really likes to just be noticed. Wait, I think we all like to be noticed. But she did it very, very intentionally. You know, just artist and just wanted to be so cool all of the time. And everybody, how tortured of an artist she is. <laughs> so I feel like we all kind of know the type. So Ezra had a boyfriend named Jason Mengel. He was a medic in the Army Reserve who was 13 years older than her, which is fine. You you do you, boo, right? Um, and they really like to hang out at a local coffee bar called Racy Delane's. Um, so, I mean, not a coffee bar. I guess it's a coffee, coffee shop, but... Regardless, it's a little coffee place. Um, and that's actually where they met a barista named Alex Woodworth. They instantly became super good friends. Alex was part-time barista, part-time substitute teacher, which is, I've always wanted to be a barista. I don't know why. It sounds horrible. But there's like a piece of me that just wants to know how to use those machines. But regardless, 
at the end of the day, Alex, he really wanted to become a uh, professor of philosophy. Like I said, they all became really inseparable really, really quickly. So it was just like a fun little trio. Jason got along with Alex, um, and he really believed that Alex and Ezra could help each other through some stuff that they, they you know, they had a lot in common and some diff- just tough situations that they're going through. He, quote, said, she was going through emotional things and he was a really good friend. I kind of pushed them together at one time because I knew they had similar viewpoints. He had some things in his life that I figured she could help him with, and I thought he could help her with things in her life. Ezra, once again, they're really close. He, She thought that Alex's theories on philosophy were really fascinating. And push come to shove ends up, they ended up having a romantic and sexual affair and behind Jason's back. However, Jason and Alex were not enough for Ezra. And later that year, or like right before all of this happened in March of 2018, in Valentine's Day of 2018, Jason, her boyfriend, not her lover on the side, uh, he found some flirty text messages between Ezra and his best friend, John Hansen, on her phone. He confronted her, obviously, and Ezra says that John raped her which is out of left field. And why are there flirty text messages if he raped you? Why are you texting him if he raped you? Feels weird. But regardless, um, it was theorized that Jason suspected Ezra was being unfaithful. She had told him, that's when she told him he was she was raped. Um, it was, I think, just an attempt to conceal her being disloyal. And I think it was also a piece of, and you'll kind of get this a little bit later in the trial and everything. It's kind of a ruse to get Jason's attention and his sympathy. Oh, like, oh my gosh, this horrible thing happened to me about your best friend. Ultimately, this was all foiled um, because Alex, who was interviewed by the police regarding all of this happening, um, told the police that Ezra had confided in him that the encounter, the supposed rape, that the encounter with John had been consensual, uh, consen- not consensual, consensual, and the case was ultimately dropped. And I obviously, if something happened, you should report it, but it definitely she was not this was not real she was trying to get attention and essentially was just trying to hide that she was cheating which is not fair to anyone so jason's fears of infidelity right had been confirmed and he ended up ending his relationship with her and they were living together at the time she ended up moving out um and continued to try and get back with jason everything she could He cared about her, right? You're in a relationship. If you're living with someone, you're obviously really caring about them. But he couldn't trust her anymore. Um, And soon after everything else, too, Alex ended up breaking up with Ezra as well. So she has these two really great guys, which is horrible because she's going behind the the back of everyone. And and it just sounds bad. So now she's with no one. Um, 
right? <laughs> She's juggling three guys, deceiving all of them, and then ends up being completely alone. So back to everything. March 22nd, 2018. We're kind of going back to where we all began. Uh, Ezra ended up turning up unannounced and saw her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, Jason, at that coffee lounge that we had talked about earlier. They ended up looking at security footage, and yes, she was there. She, Jason seemed, said that she seemed like really agitated and just kind of like in a bad mood. She then left the coffee shop and went to visit Alex at his house because she ended, she had told Jason that she had some items that she needed to return to him. Jason said that something felt weird, right? It's, you know, it's just that gut feeling that something just kind of felt weird with how she was acting and the things that she was saying. So he ended up going to Alex's house. He rode his bike over there to find Ezra and kind of confront her like, what is going on? Or just making sure that she's okay. He goes and sees that her, her Chevy Impala's outside engine was still running. He was waiting outside. He was seen kind of pacing back and forth by a passerby. And as a concerned citizen, thought it looked suspicious. And he ended up, they ended up calling the police, which if someone's like pacing outside someone's house, yeah, she definitely should call the police. He waited about 45 minutes, Jason did. And he ended up going inside the house without knocking, which is daring to say the least. But that's where he found Ezra and Alex in the middle of a conversation. He ended up walking back outside. And that's where he was met by the police. He explained to the officers that he was there because he was concerned about Ezra um, because she was not acting herself. It was, and and there was also police dash cam footage uh, that an officer can be seen talking to Alex outside of his house who was standing next to Ezra's car. Ezra was in the car in the driver's seat, but is not visible in the video. It it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. Police didn't see anything going on you know nothing seemed suspicious so officers and Jason ended up leaving uh sadly this is the last time that Alex was seen alive let's go back to Arizura shows up at Don's farmhouse dairy farmhouse muddied up cut up everything she stated at first, you know, she gets to the hospital. I mean, she didn't know what happened. She didn't know who was responsible. But then she ended up changing her narrative, right? The last person she's seen with is Alex. Then as soon as she gets asked about what happened, she doesn't know what happened. She doesn't know who was part of it. But then all of a sudden now Alex is part of it and blamed everything on him. According to official records, um, Ezra and Alex were driving somewhere when her vehicle got stuck in a muddy road just outside uh, of Eau Claire, and that's which is when everything changed apparently she originally told investigators that after her former lover attacked her and she carved or he carved the word boy into her left forearm she fought back grabbed the knife and started stabbing him everywhere in anywhere in an attempt to get away she when she got to the hospital weird she was asking for Jason uh, she told the officers and paramedics, once again, that she didn't remember what happened. Um, and detectives were trying to find Alex, trying to figure out what had happened. Next day, they ended up continuing to search around the dairy farm where they found foot, bloody footprints on the ground. 
that's where they ended up finding Alex's body hanging out of the back of Ezra's car near the farmhouse. He had suffered 16 stab wounds to the head, neck, groin, and torso. And it was true. The car was stuck in the dirt. But there's some weird weirdness with this. He's in the back of the car, and I read somewhere that he was head first into the car. As in, like, they're driving. They got stuck in the car. She grabs the knife. And if it's in there in the back of the car, you'd think he'd be head first out of the car if there's something going on in the front. But it kind of appears to me, in my opinion, that he was trying to get back in the car to get away from her. And it was very weird that they carved boy, or Alex, she claimed boy was carved into her, her arm. But if you look, it's very superficial, the wound. If you're really trying to hurt someone, really carve into them, you're going to dig very deep. Um, and the way... If he was driving her car, which is weird, the way it was cut into her arm, her arm was backwards. Not the right way. And also, no, he wasn't driving. She was driving. It was on her left arm, which is closest to the window. So how would he jump over her? and do boy, but it was backwards. So very weird, right? The way it was done, very, very weird. And all of this going back, right? She couldn't remember, then she could remember. Everything kind of seemed a little maybe premeditated with all of these actions, right? She's acting funny at the coffee shop. She ends up going to Alex's. Boy is written into her arm. She can't remember everything. Things kind of keep getting changed. All of our wounds are kind of sort of superficial. Alex, when he gets stabbed, 16 times is overkill. If you're just trying to get away from someone, right, you're going to stab them. I mean, I've never stabbed anyone. Stab them, and then you're trying to get the hell out of there, right? 16 times? That's a lot of times to stab someone. And then he's stabbing in the head, in the groin. Generally, in most cases, you'll notice that when people are, like women, are stabbed in the chest, uh, in the breast area, or down in uh, like their vaginal area, men are, when they're in their groin area, any of that kind of stuff, that's very personal. It's very personal. That's how they generally know it's with somebody that they knew or some kind of like sexual sadist. So go back to everything. These cops are like, something's weird. It just, a lot of it seemed that all of this was done so that Ezra could get Jason's attention, which she wanted, right? We, we go back because that's how she said she was raped by her, his friend John. It And she wanted Alex to suffer because he ruined everything. He said that all of that stuff was con consensual between John and Ezra, not that it was, uh, that it was rape and essentially ruined his relationship, uh, or ruined Ezra's relationship with Jason and ultimately with Alex. 
There was no evidence that Alex ever called her boy at all. She kept saying that he called her a boy and everything like this because she had once questioned her sexual identity. Moreover, they ended up finding out that the murder weapon was actually one of Ezra's fathers. And it uh, soon that self-defenseness was deemed concocted. It was it was not definitely not the truth. So she ended up being apprehended um, and charged for first degree uh, intentional homicide on April 6th of 2018. It the trial started in October of 2019 at Dunn County Judicial Center uh, about 18 months after everything happened. The prosecution highlighted the inconsistencies in other stories and in the crime scene. She first wasn't able to recall what happened, then told officers that they arrived. She couldn't remember when they first got there in a recorded interview uh, after the Dunn County officers told her that what they had found in Alex's body, she eventually said that he had attacked her and said that she was not able to get out of, out of her head. She claimed that he had carved boy ultimately came out that she ended up doing this to herself because it was literally superficial on her own so barely cut into her own arm and only really done in a way that she could have done it to herself she changed her story a bunch of times she said that she cut her hand because when she was trying to grab the knife uh, away from him once again this was a superficial wound like a scratch if you're trying to grab a knife from somebody that's hurting you but how did Alex get a knife from your house, right? That's going to be more than a superficial wound because you're trying to, you know, live. You're trying to get away from these people, this person. She just tried to get the knife away from him. She also said that she wanted to knee him in the groin and he dropped the knife and suddenly she grabbed the knife, so she didn't grab the knife from him. And then she started, she said that she just started stabbing him everywhere and anywhere she could she claimed that Alex had attacked her in the back seat of the car, but most of the blood evidence, come to find out, was outside the car. So if he's cutting her arm and everything's happening on her hand, there should be more blood evidence in the car. But there wasn't. It was mostly found outside the car. So all of this stuff is really adding up to, she doesn't know how to premeditate murder, apparently. She also said that uh, the incident happened in Owen Park. Um, that was a way to kind of lead the authorities away from where things actually happened. Once again, the knife that was used to kill Alex was confirmed to be Ezra's father's. Um, her dad actually stated at trial that he had given his daughter the knives. A doctor called Dr. Tillos. Tilla Lotson, she uh, treated uh, Ezra in the ER and assessed her injuries, testified at the trial that her knife wounds appeared to be characteristic of self-inflicted wounds. He also said that it was weird that she had a hard time recalling what had happened and the way she kept asking for Jason, her ex. They couldn't find Alex's phone at first, and it come, came to be found out that Ezra took Alex's phone uh, away from the scene uh, when she left the scene and had destroyed it. 
so it's hard to know, but Alex could have still been alive if he had his car or his, not his phone and was able to call for help. But essentially, we don't know that. But she took his phone, destroyed it, and it, and stabbed him. And it pretty much trying to rekindle that relationship with Jason. Because who asks for their ex-boyfriend when they're just been attacked, quote-unquote, when they're in the hospital? The defense, on the other side, claimed that Alex was angry with Ezra um, because she didn't want to be with him. But if you recall, he broke up with her after everything. She also, her defense team also stated that she was fighting for her life when Alex forced himself upon her and was attacking her. She testified once again, testified, even though all of this stuff said that she didn't, none of this was in self-defense, that she stated that it was all in self-defense. Jason, the ex-boyfriend, did take the stand during the trial. Uh, Ezra hadn't seen her, her, her ex-boyfriend in like a year and a half at that time. When he walked into the, the courtroom and was trying to, and getting up on the stand to testify, she lit up with it, like excitement. She was pumped. A lot of people uh, pointed out that her, she, she acted so weird, very bizarre. And she was criticized a lot for being kind of too calm. Um, she was smiling a lot and she was making a lot of jokes which you never know how you're going to react, right, until you're in that kind of situation. But the fact that she kind of lit up and got so excited when she saw Jason, and it just feels weird. Uh, Jason stated that when he was, you know, after everything, when she was on the witness stand, it didn't seem real. real. He said that it seemed like at times she was enjoying it. She liked being on the witness stand. She liked being the center of attention. She, even during her time, right, uh, during the trial, she spent most of her time working on drawings and she now sells those on an Instagram page to fund an appeal. She continues to state that she was in it, innocent and that the battle for justice has only begun. Uh, November 1st, so a couple weeks after the everything kind of started, of the trial and everything, she was convicted uh, of stabbing Alex to death, who was only 24 years old at the time. She was held um, until her sentencing. She was sentenced in February of 2020, and she was sentenced to life in prison without with eligibility for parole after 50 years for first-degree intentional homicide. Her mom pled with the guilt, uh, the guilt, sorry, pled with the court to grant her daughter the possibility to petition for parole after 20 years. Alex's aunt, Crystal, said that in her impact statement at the sentencing, throughout the trial, we never saw any sign of sadness, shame, compassion, or even a slight bit of remorse what she had done. So, yeah. She is crazy. Monica, just kidding, her name is Ezra, but she goes by. But very weird case, like a triangle love stabbing weird 
people do anything nowadays for love. And this is so weird, right? This is this happened like a few years ago. Craziness. But regardless, I appreciate everybody hanging out with me today. I hope that you all come back. Please make sure that you check me out um, on social media. You can look up Crime Obsessed Dog Mom and you should find me. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on pretty much all of the things. Twitter. I don't use Twitter as often. I just don't use Twitter even in my real life that often. I have been working on getting Instagram pictures up um, and using some kind of like image and then announce an announcement uh, picture. So check those out. That would be great. I uh, yeah, this is a very crazy case, and I hope that you all enjoyed my telling. It's not as short as I thought it was going to be, which is funny. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I hope that you all are well, and I will talk to you all next week. Stay true crime obsessed, love on your animals, and be kind to each other. And I will talk at y'all later. Bye!